We welcome you to this service of commencement for the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Now well over 150 years old, as the front of your program makes very clear, this institution has seen commencement after commencement after commencement, every one of them glorious, none more glorious than this. We look out upon these graduates and we recognize what this represents as a promise to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look at this chapel filled with those who are family members and friends and fellow church members and others who celebrate this event because we know what it means for Christ and for his church and for the kingdom. The Christian celebration of Christmas brings essential truths into clearer view. The central fact of the incarnation as the Son of God looms before us as the dividing line of all human history and the fulfillment of God's promises. Priests and prophets and kings had long awaited the coming of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. At Christmas, we declare what the angelic host announced to shepherds on a Bethlehem night. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There is no more important message than this. The greatest good news the world has ever heard. Arrayed before us today is the December 2016 graduating class of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. They are ready to take their place in that long line of faithful ministry and preaching that reaches back to the apostles and then continues throughout the centuries until this day. They are called by God to the Christian ministry and to serve the cause of Christ, to preach the good news of the gospel, to shepherd the church of God. An outsider looking in on this event today would recognize its basic form and would understand its intentional formality. Something of consequence is happening here, and it shows. But the outsider would almost surely fail to understand what makes this graduating class of Christian ministers so very different from other graduating classes at other institutions. It is a distinction that we dare not miss. My text is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For this is who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, 
but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This text comes early in the Gospel of Matthew, but it is not a scene likely to show up on a Christmas card. Those cards, often innocent, sometimes beautiful, frequently sentimental, occasionally ludicrous, are likely to depict shepherds, wise men, and a manger scene. You may note that John the Baptist rarely shows up. The reason for that is fairly straightforward. Just look at the description of John in this passage. He wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt, eating locusts and honey. That's all shocking enough. But the real reason that John the Baptist is so often left out of Christmas is his message. His message straightforwardly demanded repentance, unconditional repentance. Can you imagine designing such a Christmas card with the envelope addressed, Dear Brood of Vipers? <laughs> but this was John's message. The book of the words of Isaiah the prophet foretold his message and his role. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. John declared that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and called sinners to repentance. John was so careful to distinguish his role and his message from that of the Christ, whose arrival he announced and whose way he made straight. I baptize you with water, John clarified, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, John acknowledged. His sandals I am not worthy to carry. He directly addressed the Pharisees and the Sadducees, calling them out as a brood of vipers and warning them that even now the ax is laid at the root of the tree. Judgment is at hand. Do not presume to say to yourselves, he warned them. John understood their hearts and their future rejection of the Son of God and the Son of Man, and he warned that the unfruitful tree would be thrown into the fire. Then we read this sentence that concludes the passage. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Christian ministry is a terrible profession, but it is the greatest calling on earth. Professions are decent, respectable, recognized, esteemed, regulated, and rationalized. The secular world does not hate the ministry as a profession. The minister as religious professional is not much of a threat. Professionals act professionally. They do not make waves, they make friends. They know just what to say in order to stay out of trouble and staying out of trouble is the central goal. This is bad enough coming from the secular culture. The greater scandal by far are the churches, denominations, and church members who cheerfully domesticate the preacher and the preachers who are so willingly domesticated. The Christian ministry is a calling and the true minister answers that call. The true minister never settles for being recognized as a mere professional. John the Baptist told the crowds who came to hear his preaching in the wilderness of Judea, 
that Christ was coming with his winnowing fork in his hand. That picture might not come readily to our imaginations, but it would have been immediately known to John's audience. At the time of the harvest, a winnowing fork would be used to toss the stalks and the heads of grain into the air, usually in the face of a breeze. The wheat would fall to the floor in order to be collected and put into the barn. But the chaff would blow away to be collected and burned. The Lord of the harvest, John says, will collect his grain into the barn, but the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. The judgment is so clear, as is the grace. The Messiah will judge the nations and every single soul. He will separate the sheep from the goats and the wheat from the chaff. The coming judgment is horrifying. There is no allowance for annihilation here. We are warned of an unquenchable fire. None of this is language applicable to a profession, nor let's note would any decent professional be associated with it. This is too scandalous, but John the Baptist preached it with conviction and passion. For preaching it, he paid with his head. We are not to look to John the Baptist as the model of Christian ministry as if we can just pick him up from the gospels and show up in the pulpit wearing camel's hair and a leather belt eating locusts and honey. John came before the Christ to prepare his way. We come after Christ to preach his gospel. With John, we declare that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for it surely is. In the gospel of Luke chapter seven, verses 14 to 28, we hear Jesus speak of John the baptizer. Luke tells us, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothes and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, Jesus said, among those born of women, none is greater than John. The following line is so important. Jesus then said, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Just consider the juxtaposition of those two sentences. Jesus said, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. But the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. How can this be? Well, such is the kingdom. The preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ has a message infinitely greater even than the message of John and the honor of an even greater calling. We have the privilege of preaching the good news of salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. We tell of his birth in Bethlehem. We proclaim that the word has become flesh and dwelled among us. We preach Christ crucified as our substitute for sins and raised from the dead for our justification. We openly promise that salvation comes to any sinner who believes and repents. But the promise both saves and condemns. The faithful preacher is like the winnowing fork in the Lord's harvest. True gospel preaching leads to wheat collected into the barn. But true gospel preaching also leads to chaff collected for the burning. 
This does not fit the expectation of a religious professional, but it is the glory of the true minister's calling. We're facing difficult days with unprecedented challenges. There will be no place to hide, none. This graduating class of Christ ministers will take the gospel to the ends of the earth and will likely serve long after so many of us are gone from the earth. There is such promise in them and we have such pride and hope in them. There are few sights so glorious as this, a congregation of ministers at the very brink of deployment or already rightly deployed in gospel service. This defies the wisdom of the world and reveals God's good pleasure. Ministers of Christ, never settle for the comfortable but false existence of the religious professional. Preach the word, proclaim the gospel, Herald the truth that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for it is. Be humble. Take courage. Be not afraid. You go with the prayers and the hopes of this faculty who have taught you, this congregation who has loved you, and Christians far beyond this place. Remember this. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And so are you. To God be the glory. Amen.